Do you look awful in regular shorts? That's because they're made of a stiff cotton. They're literally not made to move at all. This means a baggy, boxy, unflattering cut on every leg. Bird Dog Shorts fixed all that. They invented cloud knit khaki fabric. It looks just like khaki, but it stretches. You get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. You never thought shorts could look this good. Go to birddogs.com pool and grab a pair before they sell out for the summer. They'll even throw in a free Yeti-style tumbler. That's birddogs.com slash pool. And the upstart Sooners of Oklahoma at 12-0 and still looking for respect nationwide. What is going on, Sooner Nation? Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of the Barry and Mac Show. As always, myself, Barry, personal trainer, sports performance coach out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And alongside me, former Sooner wide receiver, 2000 national champ, Mr. Damian Mackey. How are we doing today, D-Mac? The sacrifices of the uh, the Barry Wiseman Health Program have helped me feel comfortable wearing a uh, tank top in the summertime. So, shout out to B Wise for keeping the brother looking nice, man. I, I was in the gym today, B. I was wearing the five inchers with the uh, compressor shorts underneath. You know, how I like to get the in shape guys who know they're in shape. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the VMU muscle and, and the quads. You, you got your boy right, man. I, I was I was nice. I, I saw some folks looking. You know what I'm saying? They was they was checking. I was like, hey, man, forty and fit, baby. 40 and fit, so <laughs> feeling good about summer, uh, excited about uh, the, the the trajectory of the program, and business is good too, man, uh, looking at selling my business, bro, so excited about that deal, and uh, enjoying life, and grateful, grateful for my life, my health, and my strength. Amen. Yeah, those who uh, follow us on the uh, social medias, uh, you've been super busy, I've been super busy. Still trying to keep up with the podcast. Summer's hit, man, and it gets crazy. It's so funny, man. My wife, Summer's hit because she's a teacher. Chills back in the hammock. <laughs> you know, got something, a drink in her hand or whatever. And um, Summer's hit for me, man, and we, we get after it. Real quick, special shout out to essentially all of Northeastern Oklahoma. Got blasted. A lot of folks without power. So, uh Praying for you guys that everything's okay, that uh, no major issues. It was bad uh, over the weekend, man. Saturday evening, I think it was, uh, we got absolutely hammered. No tornadoes, but I think they said winds got up to 120. Um, basically, all of northeastern Oklahoma, except a few pockets, mine being one of the ones that didn't really get hit too hard, trees down. They say it was the worst thing since 07 when we had the ice storm back then. Yeah, so it's been pretty bad. Uh, but thinking of you guys, but we'll try and give you all a little bit of a reprieve. Since we were last on, the SEC, DMAC, dropped its schedule, and Oklahoma now knows who they will play for the 2024 season. Sooner fans know who the opponents will be. One who was not a guest, Texas. Every year that game's in Dallas. OU will be the home team. 
another home game, Tennessee, South Carolina. We'll get back in just a second. We'll circle back to that last home game. I want to get your thoughts on that. But away games, DMAC, at Missouri, at Ole Miss, at Auburn, and at LSU. What are the chances that at LSU is a night game for OU's first trip down there? 99.999%. 99.999%. The only way it's not is if they fumble on the season. If they aren't playing well and they're, you know, three and four going into that game, otherwise, forget about it. That, that Listen, they are going to leverage the hell out of OU coming into the conference. Every dollar they can squeeze out of that exposure, they're going to take advantage of it. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I am excited to be back in the best conference in America. I feel like that's going to allow the cream to rise to the top and, and OU is going to rise to the top. We are a better program than 95% of the programs in the SEC. And because we have to bring it, we will bring it. I'm, I'm excited about that. That's a good point you made. We talked about it on one of our shows uh, a while back. But when you played the Big 12 for a lot of the youngsters who are listening, Kansas State and Nebraska was Georgia, LSU, Alabama, they weren't necessarily winning chips like that. Nebraska was, but they were cream of the crop. They weren't fringe top 25, top 15. K-State was a top five team year after year for probably, what, a, a decade stretch with, with, with Snyder I think there? They top five. We, we uh, you know, the 96 to 2000 is when they really got the players to match the attitude early 90s they were they they had the attitude that they have now so the k-state today is comparable to the early 90s k-state what snyder was able to do leveraging prop the prop rule 48 or whatever the hell it was back in the day and then really just he was able to recruit kids in close proximity he had better listen they had better talent than nebraska 2000 the K-State team in 2000 was just a- a ridiculous. A ton of guys played a ton of years in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, they 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 were a top five program. Nebraska was 1A or 1B, like without question. Texas was a top 10 program. A&M, uh, we ain't gonna give A&M too much love. Colorado was still a, a perennial top 20 program in America. And then of course, OU comes back. Oh, it was it was not it's without question. The Big 12 was the best conference in America because you still got a Missouri who's an eight and four team and AM who's a six and six to eight and four team. Right. K-State. I mean, excuse me. Baylor was trash. Tech was a six, six, six and 16. Those guys were chunking the ball around even before uh, Leacher got there. They had a guy by the name of Dick Wender, who was an ex OU guy. He brought his offense out that way. Uh, the Big 12 had there were very few cupcakes. Big 12 was the best conference. Uh, Alabama was down. Georgia was down. It was Tennessee. It was Florida with a wharf after the, you know, after the Warful years where the Warful was the late nineties. And, uh, but Tennessee was the cream of the crop. Florida was the cream of the crop. LSU was average. L- LSU was an eight and 14. Bama was a six and six to eight and 14. Um, Georgia was a perennial eight and 14. I mean, like they were, they were average as average can be. It was Tennessee and Florida who generally were the cream to crop the last half of the 90s and then going into the early 2000s. I think the big thing that really sticks out, and this has happened year after year with OU and the Big 12, is they go into every single game favored, but not favored in the way that Alabama is favored by three against LSU. Not in the same way that Georgia's 
favored by 10 against a really good Kentucky team. It was your favored by 14 over Iowa State that you're playing in Norman. And it's one of those deals where you cannot overcome the perception and you just look at this schedule, that final home game that I did not mention, Alabama, there's storylines just all over the place. And that makes for interesting television, which makes for eyeballs, makes for more money and recruits like to watch stuff like that that is interesting recruits are going to be tuning in every single week i mean just right off the top you have spencer rattler coming back to norman how interesting will that be awesome hypel hypel comes back to norman how interesting will that be you're going to have saban and venables they haven't faced off since the the rubber match with them and clemson that'll have a nice little storyline you know old miss um with a uh, jeff levy lane kiffin down there it stinks that it's still going to take another season and OU still has to be primed and ready to go when you look at this schedule not seeing what the product at OU will look like this coming season what kind of record do you see OU having with this do you see this being a tough schedule to navigate regardless of how this next season does go I look at the schedule and I'm I'm actually looking I pulled it up uh, let's just go through week by week, right? Temple Owls is supposed to be an easy win. Uh, how about this? Tulane. Uh-oh. <laughs> if we got Link, that's going to be a that's going to be a barn burner. But uh that should be a, we should have a pretty reasonably easy win. Uh Texas, right? It's always a toss-up. I'm taking the dub. Screw that. We ain't ever giving Texas the dub. Auburn is going to get their ass kicked at Auburn. We'll be in I think that's our first SEC environment, so it'll be interesting to see how we do at Auburn. Um at LSU, again, that, that's a game we could probably catch in L. It's going to be in Baton Rouge. It'll probably be a night game. I don't give us L's, but I'll say that's a game that we could potentially lose. We're going to kick Missouri's ass. Missouri's trying to, try, uh, trying to go back to that dual threat, and I think that's going to be a way they can stay uh, relevant in, in the SEC. They're just not good enough up front, and they don't have enough skill guys to really beat the top echelon guys. So good for them for having the, the dual threat QBs, which I think helps them, but it's not going to be good enough against us. Alabama is squarely going to be a toss up, which we could catch an L. Uh, I tell you like this, mark my words, Barry. I know it's it, hell. I don't know. 16 months away. We're going to beat 17 months away. We're going to beat the hell out of a uh, Spencer Aller. Mm. Oh, that's going to be a good, that's going to be a grudge match. Personal. He's had some things to say. I, he he kind of shrugged us off when they had their little win streak and was talking smack about us. And, you know, he he had his doubts at the end of the season when we didn't go bowling or when we were initially not potentially not going to go bowling. That's going to be a game where we're going to have the better team and we're going to beat their ass. I, I'm all I'm all about the the hype against Venables deal. I told you I Roy Lee's deal, man. Hype. I, I didn't really understand the energy at first. Because, you know, they, I'm all there just thinking about Sooners, you know, but Hype's the head coach at Tennessee, and he's there to support Roy, which was super dope. But I also I also sensed, like, yo, Hype's a little standoffish. What's going on? Mm. He's kind of try, trying to protect. He's got his own, he's got his own, you know what I'm saying? He's got his own, you know, squad to handle, and he's there to show love to Roy Lee. But right now, he's a volunteer. Right? You know, whatever they throw up, he's not throwing up the OU. He's throwing that up. And so I respected it, and I kind of reflected on it. I was like, ah. That makes sense. I liked it actually. I like that for hype. I think that's a toss-up game. I think we beat Ole Miss. I see three potential L's on the schedule. I think if we go into uh, this new schedule and we're nine and three, 
we beat a lot of those guys soundly and let the SEC know where it came to play. I think we beat Texas, so probably a 10-2 and two team. Now, I'm speculating a ton, uh, but I think we're going to still have better talent than 90, 90% of, of our schedule. I really do believe that. And we got rid of some of the really bad starters. And Coach Venables has done a great job of creating championship depth or, or at least competitive depth where guys are going to have to earn their way. And, and that's really important to beating the K-State, to beating the, you know, in this schedule, it's like the Missouri, it's the uh, Auburn, you know, those are the teams where if you are, you have a, a very glaring leak or hole somewhere, those guys can take advantage of it and kick your ass. Like a Baylor just running power on us and we can't stop it. Or a K-State running double lead on us and we can't stop it, right? If we don't have that glaring weakness, those plays don't work and we bottle one of those guys up and, and, and handle business. And I think in, in the next two years, we will, uh, we're going to be a veteran team, especially on defense. Dayson's going to be a senior. These puppies that are coming up trying to take roles now are going to be juniors. Uh, Stunts will be out of there, but you know, you're going to have Kobe. I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys that have been around the program two, three, four years or three years, excuse me. And guys are going to be very comfortable in their roles. And, and I think we're going to have a successful 2023. So those guys will be coming in with a chip on their shoulder, plus back to a winning culture. Give me 10 and 2. Um, I could settle on 9 and 3, but I expect 10 to 11 wins this year. I think we have to. I, I, the schedule is such a cupcake schedule. Coach V has to go out there and win 10 games minimum. I expect us to be 9.5. I'd say the over-under would be 9.5 for 2024. People say I'm a sunshine pumper, but I also have a lot of conversations behind the scenes with the expectations of the coaches and they feel three X as good about this season as they did last season, you know, behind closed doors. And so I think that translates to a huge turnaround for us. I wish I was quite as high as you DMAC. I got to see them play this year. I got to see well, them play. Got to see what they do, but you got no, 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 no. I didn't if, get to do that. You don't do that. Hold my <laughs> feet the to the fire. Yes. Feet to the fire. I think it's three losses minimum. Okay. Nine and three. So I, I, I think they're going to be, when that over under comes out, I bet you it's going to be right at like eight wins. Probably eight and a half. I'm about to say eight and a half. Eight and a half. Yeah, because take I, eight all day. Yeah, I think it'll eight be about eight and a half. Um, and honestly, I don't think that'll be a bad spot for Oklahoma. We have to remember that it's a 12-team playoff, right? So you can go... In the SEC, you're probably going to be able to go nine and three, yep. ten and two, and and it not be a a lost cause. Get to the end of the year, every game matters. How you perform matters. You're trying to get the at large berth. You're trying to win. You know, we'll see how they do the division thing long term and what that even looks like. But you know, it'll be a test week after week for the Sooners. Uh, but by then, hopefully, they have a little bit more artillery to work with. Massive visit weekend. Uh, you had David Stone in town, uh, Dominic McKinley. I want to ask you, not necessarily about specific players just yet. We talked off air just what a team like Georgia has to offer when it comes to, you know, sending 10 defensive linemen that are on a roster, you know, into the NFL. When you're the Sooners 
and you aren't necessarily loaded with that high-end defensive line talent just yet, and you know if you're a David Stone, a marquee name who comes in there, you're going to be drawing double teams, right? You, you hope a PJ pans out, but you haven't seen it yet. Not saying that we don't think he will, but you got to play the games. What are they selling right now to the top guys? What did those conversations look like? A Bates, a Chavis, uh, guys who are having to have that conversation on a daily basis and convince them that no, OU is the place to be. Not only is it the place to be, we need you to commit so we can get more guys like you to come here so you're not drawing those double teams and you're not the entire game plan for the offensive line. Yeah, I think I think you speak to one thing uh, right off the back, and that's traveling impacts or recruiting impacts. Um, you, you, we saw some of the, the tweets come out and talking about OU's D line twenty twenty three or the twenty twenty four crew, I guess, and and then it, and then Stone retweeted like, "Hey, a couple of guys are missing," which is right selling the opportunity to come in as package deals, and not necessarily package deals, but kind of crewed up. Right, they're gonna bring a crew of guys who are gonna come in together. And, uh, you know, change the culture. But I think we can still lay our hat this this upcoming season on um, some of the results that happened at Clemson. Now, if I'm coach, I am angling that in a way where I'm like, look, here's the deal. This is what we did at Clemson. But damn it. Now you guys need to be the next, you know, legacy of guys who come in here and really shut shit down. And so it's kind of like, you know, last year it was all about what they did at Clemson. This year is kind of like the bridge, right? Like, I want you guys to know we have the ability to do it, but I those guys and those colors, that orange and purple, that's dead. We in Sooner, Crimson and Cream, we need you guys to get to that level, if not higher, right? Oklahoma has a higher history. It has, it has more excellence, more championships, more All-Americans, right? Whatever, more everything. So you coming here is going to put you in a position where we can go past that. I just want you to know the pedigree is there. You got to make the decision. And, and, and it's always how you skin a cat. You know, Georgia can say what they can say. The flat out thing is if you're a dog at OU, you can play early. And word on the street is there's a lot of guys who want to play early at Georgia. There's no guarantee you touch the field for three years. So they got to sell you on, hey, you can go to the league as a backup, but are you willing to be a backup for one season or two seasons? Whereas going to Oklahoma gives you an opportunity to play in an environment with coaches who are pedigree and you can play as a pup. You can, you know, you can not redshirt and get quality reps your first season and then your second year be the guy. So, you know, that whole piece, uh, Barry, is, is, is essential, but it still boils down to this. Here's what it boils down to. It's relationships, right? You talk to the coaches offline and you understand the relationships with mom and dad and, and you, you provide clarity in a very simple yet enticing and provocative schedule for the family. Everybody ain't going to eat dinner at a hangar. You saw that parent who was like, I've never eaten dinner in a private hangar. I've never gone and had another meal in a museum. Like you create that experience. You, you get that emotional pull. It matters. And then you back it up with a very substantive soul mission, right? Listen, mom and dad, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, your son's going to come to Oklahoma. And we don't just say we have support. We actually live it, right? We actually employ people specifically for that matter. Our NFL prep guy played in the NFL 10 years. 
right? Our academic guy was a six-year player for the program and knows how to matriculate from puppy to six total seasons, right? Talking about Caleb, Caleb Kelly, right? Josh Norman helping out with the actual missions, right? Hey, we have a guy who is spiritually invested and these guys go out into different places across the world, not Oklahoma, not in the Midwest, right? Not even just domestic. These guys have already gone to South Africa. They're, they've got that. They've got that story, that narrative. It's already set up. They've already done it. It's proof of concept. And, and so that piece, it's unique. It's a niche. Or they like to say niche. Now, I'm not a niche guy. I'm a niche guy. <laughs> it's a niche. <laughs> the niche community cracks me up. Um, so, you know, that, that's got to be the story we sell, but there's still an asterisk. There's going to be an asterisk until about the third week in October, the third Monday in October. The third Monday in October is when recruits are going to be like, okay, they're legit. And after we get revenge on the, uh, the you know, the Longhorns, and we, we, we just got to win the game. We got to win that game. And it has to be a game where we, we're the more physical team. The, the everybody I'd say 80 to 90% of the kids we want are going to be sooners. It, 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 it has to line up to us taking care of business in June. And we'll talk about what's happening right now here shortly. So we'll, we'll see how the guys taking advantage of this, this off season and prep for, for a fall camp. And then fall yeah. camp, they've got to get here on assignments and then we got to win September. Go ahead, brother. You usually, we, uh, we tend to downplay the value of winning when it comes to recruiting, right? That'll be the narrative in the year. OU catches a bad loss. Everybody will say we're going to lose recruits because of it. The, the follow-up will be one loss really doesn't hurt you. This past season, though, with just the way it looked, man, as you kind of said, just getting out physical at times, not looking like you necessarily know what you're doing at times, having players who just don't quite look like Oklahoma athletes on the field at times. <laughs> If you guys can see DMAC on video right now, that the reaction is excellent. Uh, but this year, they've—I can say—we know for sure that the athlete piece will be less of the case across the defensive line. You're not necessarily going three deep, but you are going to have players up front who are able to play and who are able to look the part down after down. That's going to go a long way into selling the program eventually. You're going to run out of this is what we did at Clemson because you're not developing who's on your team. And if you're not developing, guys are going to see that and they're going to say, shoot, we can go to Texas A&M. We can go to, go to Texas. We can go to Georgia. We can go wherever. And now you are really in those battles in the SEC. Um, but with the amount of Texas games that are going to be played, right? it's just going to be a whole different, different type of narrative. Um, we did have a few forecasts get dropped. I want to touch on these. Obviously, the David Stone forecast. People listening to this have seen that now. Uh, also, Michael Patterson McDonald, Oklahoma youngster, and then James Nesta. Uh, so we've got a linebacker, a safety, and a defensive lineman, DMAC. You hear those three names. Getting forecasted as Sooners have not committed yet, but seems to... Uh, the momentum seems to be in the right place for each of those guys. Taking David Stone out of the equation, just what are your thoughts on, on where the defense currently sits recruiting-wise, um, how it's probably going to shake out, 
And do you think these two are kind of kind of top dogs in this class, or are there so, sort of bigger fish out there at those positions, uh, defensive back and linebacker that OU is obviously trying to get? The kid out of Moore <clears throat> is a package deal. Um, he, he's a he's a he's a power five kid. I don't know on his own merits, and, and this is my own opinion, right? But five eleven, hundred seventy five pound dudes that run a four five eight forty or a dime a dozen, uh, smart kid. He, he's, a, he's a ball player, so I think he fits the mold of what OU wants, but what makes him really enticing is it kind of uh, creates momentum for David Stone and Durham. Those guys together are buds. They have relationships on and off the field, and uh, a kid like it, it makes sense, right? If you're looking at the total net value of what bringing him in the fold does to a David Stone and potentially to a Durham, uh, it's worth the risk. It's not like a guy who will never play. He could come in. I mean, think about it. Wagner was not a guy who people were depending on to come in and be like a, a, a perennial starter. And he's a 5'11, 175 pound DB. Right. So this kid comes in and, and is physical and is intelligent. He can come in on his own merits and do what he needs to do. Uh, but when you, when it helps you bring in the, the perennial five star blue chip kid that always go home and needs to stamp as a, um, you know, one of the linchpins of the class doesn't hurt, especially if you get Caleb uh, Durham too. doesn't hurt, doesn't hurt at all. By the way, sec my second favorite recruit is Durham. I, I want Durham bad. And. I, I told mom, like, hey, man, the day he commits, I want to have him on the pod. Um, the other gentleman, Nesta, you know, I think uh, Coach V has an affinity for long, powerful, athletic guys, and he'll just figure out where to put them later. Um, there are some people on the staff who are who are not as excited about he as uh, Coach BV is, but when you're the head coach, you get you know what you like. You have a type and you go get it. Definitely not the, you know, he's not Lewis Carter or Carter or Sammy where you they're plug and play guys. He's a guy who's probably going to have to sit. He may be a Russian. He may be a cheetah. They may try him at Will Backer or whatever, right? He's going to get it. But he has the tools that you need to have another stud. It's kind of like a Russell Dennison. You just recruit Russell Dennison and then you just figure out where to put him. If, if, if for two years he's a guy who's going to go kill on kickoff, or a kill on punt team, then that that's okay. You got 85 scholarships and only 22 starters. Um, another kid who was on the on the on the uh, cusp of um, committing is a young kid out of Minnesota. What's the kid's name? Uh, Dean, I believe. Oh no, that was his name, Nesta. That that was or oh, Wyatt Nesta, Gilmore. Nesta. Wyatt Gilmore. There you go. This is the quarterback Gilmore. from North Carolina, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah, so yeah. Nesta's the, the uh, baseball guy, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't know how, you know, how much of that's gone around the internet yet, but uh, the rumors of the, the Gilmore gentleman who was there has heavy interest in Oklahoma, and uh, obviously, um, again, big, strong, lean, uh, lean kid, long limbers. Um, I don't know that there's a forecast in, but there's a, there's a lot of smoke around if that, that, that guy is going to be committing to. Here's what we need. Are any of those guys on their own merits like gonna be the um the the darling of the class? No. Is the the Moore kid, does he make sense in connecting dots to David Stone? Yes, especially if David makes a decision here fairly soon. Uh, but we are creating momentum 
and we are creating some FOMO. And so if we look at last summer and how last summer played out, we got on a roll and and we do need David or McKinley or, you know, one of these big time old linemen to pull the trigger. You know who I'd love? The quarterback from Virginia. Please, please. You, I remember, matter of fact, remember I was telling you guys, you know, he's he's Jalen Hurts 2.0 with a better arm. I'm just telling you, the kid is I, I oh, saw the yeah, elite yeah. living. Uh, I got his name. Samaj. Listen, man, I love there's rumors going around that he's highly interested in coming too. But those guys create the momentum we need to get on a roll, right? We need to get 10, 11 commits in before fall and have some of our guys locked in um, so that we can close out. Because guys like Okoye, who are going to be committing midseason, uh mckinley i don't know what his timeline is but these are the guys that platt is it platt or is it pratt pl correct braden platt man i saw him throw that javelin on twitter Mm -hmm. man is that the american record did i read that correctly he's the american record for the year Ooh, I didn't see that i I saw the throw i did not see what the um did you see where it just came out of his arm like a i don't even know but those are the guys that are going to be the very important linchpin pieces, the, 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 the diamond jewels of the class. Those guys start feeling more comfortable saying yes when there's momentum and the, and the fear of missing out. And some of the guys they bonded with at the barbecue and some of these champion things that they're going to be doing. Uh, I think next month they've got some other thing on the horizon that they're going to be doing too. So uh, on their own, I think they're class fillers. They're got, I was a class filler. Like I was a guy who, you know, uh, it's funny because they recruited me first before they grow. Ang V kind of fixed that. Ang V told everybody like, uh, my son is my my nephew's Roy Williams. But I, you know, I was getting letters first. But still, like I wasn't the jewel of the class. The jewel of the class was uh, Rocky Calmus, Trent Smith, uh, 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 Stocker McDougal, and then Roy became one. Uh, and so. I'm happy. We need to get some more. How many commits do we have? Three? Like we have like three or four total recruits for the 24 class. We've got to get to that 9, 10, 11 range, I'd say before the end of July, uh, to be in a position to go ahead and close out with a top five class. It was July last year when when the momentum really started, you know, to get rolling. It was right before the season hit. And then for the most part, man, they kept everybody. I mean, there there were some worries a little bit down the road, but it seems like this is a staff that when they have a solid commitment um, in, in the books, it seems it's going to stay pretty firm all the way throughout. People were worried about guys like PJ. You know, they were worried about a few others, but everything, everything panned out. But let's talk a little bit about what those guys are doing right now this summer. You had your early enrollees, the transfers who got in in the spring, and and we talked a ton about what was going on then. But now you are really getting into the meat and potatoes of becoming an an OU athlete, right? A a, a guy who is going to play meaningful snaps for the Sooners this coming fall. You know, you've kind of talked about what what summer means. We've talked about a few guys. Petaway has obviously turned some heads. Uh, we saw when Andrell Anthony, the newcomer, essentially was putting out, you know, over over the spring, kind of late May, ton of good stuff there. 
But on the defensive side of the ball, man, the, the side of the ball where OU just ranked towards the bottom, I want to ask you first about some of the stuff we've heard about Terry. Terry coming in from Tennessee, working one-on-one with Schmitty. I put a little bit of context to this on Sooners 360 as to sometimes what that could mean. You know, a lot of people say, you know, it, it means that he's really getting into the work and he wants to be a leader and it can be that. But it can also be he was a little bit behind. Maybe Schmidty's trying to catch big man up. Um, or it could be a deal where it was just happenstance. He wanted to do some indie work. And that is where uh, Schmidt was available. Or he was just the coach that happened to be there for, for that instance. It could be a lot of stuff. You see that as a guy who played for Venables, right? Uh, trained under Coach Jerry Schmidt. Uh, well, what do you see hearing that news about Dejon Terry, who came in from Tennessee? One, they expect him to play. And if you're a guy who's going to play, Schmitty wants to make sure you're ready, right? When when a coach says, hey, we got to get D-Mac ready, Schmitty calls you and, hey, D-Mac, you ready? Hey, hey, man, look, hey, uh, the team is depending on you this fall, bro. Are you, are you going to just do the bare minimum or, are you, or you know, are you ready to be a dog? You ready to be a go daddy? Which one you want to do, big dog? You know, that, so that, that conversation happened. I think they were excited about the tape and his mentality. That's number one. Here's number two. Here's number two. And it happened during our regime, too. There isn't a leader in that room. And one of the ways to um, indirectly identify who a leader is, is who Schmitty chooses to work with. Schmitty will not, has never, he will not work with you if you don't want to be a leader. He won't. He, he'll do the, hey man, you got a nine o'clock, you got a two hour workout, but he's not going to say, hey, slap dick, you know, second teamer, come get some one-on-one work. He doesn't do it. He doesn't do it like 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 you know what i'm saying like mm. by, by the way hey lazy uh ungrateful starter no mm. he doesn't do it. like he doesn't use that as a way to motivate you he uses that with someone who's showing they want it to elevate you he's not a motivator he's a person who works with the person who's already driven and so here's what it's doing barry it's putting the the uh Coles, kelly's Right, those other guys who have had the opportunity to get that one work, that one-on-one work on notice. Those guys, there's there's chirping going around like people like, yo, why 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 can't I get some one-on-one time with Schmidt? You can't get one-on-one time with Schmidt because you haven't shown that you want one-on-one time with Schmidt. That's why you can't get one-on-one time with Schmidt. So the second thing is, uh, he's proven a point. And Terry's a guy who's new enough to not give a damn about the pecking order of whoever was the coolest or the tenured or whatever, right? He ain't worried about them. He's trying to get his body ready for the league um, and dominate this season. So that makes sense for him because Schmitty has a long list of guys who have, I mean, listen, Roy had his turnaround season working with Schmitty. Obviously, um, Hype had his turnaround season working with Schmitty. Rocky had his turnaround season working with Schmitty. Uh, Teddy had his turnaround season working with Schmitty. JK, uh, Gerald McCoy had his, Mark Clay. I mean, I could, all the guys who go kill it, they work with Schmitty one-on-one, straight up. Like, Schmitty takes that time. So he's got a laundry list of guys who he can say, hey, Terry, if you're serious, bro. I, I imagine the conversation went like this. Hey, man, you ready to be a Sooner? Yeah, 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 coach, I'm ready to be. You sure? All right, look, I'm going to be watching your weight room today. Uh, I don't want to see whatever his way. I don't know if they, you know, I don't know what they do, but for us, I don't, he didn't want to see our hands on our knees. He didn't want to see us sit down the entire time. He didn't want us to quit or show weakness during our sit-ups. Middle of summer, we used to do an, a thousand sit-ups a day. Barry, we do a thousand Ooh. sit-ups a day. And the sit-ups we would do, you couldn't put your feet down until we finished a set of 500. 
at 500, okay. you got to rest. And granted, we would do 500 in the AM and 500 or 500 in the morning and then 500 at around noon when we do yeah. the second half of our workout. But we do a thousand a day. And, 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 you, and you couldn't like, there was just certain things like JT Thatcher he, he, and Jay Norm. Those two, no, they, they always struggled. <laughs> like, like they was, we would be like, don't put your feet down. Don't put your feet down. And, and, you know, more often than not, they wouldn't. But he didn't want to work out with you if you were with, if you were that guy. He wanted to work with a guy who was going to go be a bulldog. So I think Terry is kind of letting the other guys know, like, I'm not falling in line. I'm here to to elevate. And I think Schmitty likes that. But also the the number three thing is exactly what you said. New guy, we're expecting him to come in and be a, a contributor, if not a leader. We got to make sure he's ready to go for the OU caliber of what we're going to be doing. And everybody doesn't treat. Um, you know, health sciences like Schmitty does, he has his own style. So he wants to make sure Terry's going to come in and make it through summer and, and be prepared for fall and healthy for season. So I think all three of those, in fact, I don't think I know. I have literally had conversations and know that he's going to be used as a disruptor because there are underachievers in that leadership, in that, that position group, and somebody needs to step up. Yeah, I mean, and it puts value on that position, man. I mean, that is a position they are trying to sell to recruits. If yes. you have a guy go out there who's not panning out, I mean, this just, it looks good from an optic standpoint and the on-field product piece just looks good. And if you have a guy out there putting in, you know, well, well, I kind of saw that at Jinx in terms of the football program there, the guys who played and the guys who were stars were the guys who got there before practice, stayed after practice, guys who you'd see at the end running around the field. They would get with a coach, and coach would work with them for an extra 15, 20, 30 minutes, whatever the case was. And that's what you're getting here uh, with the Terry. Good news also on, on some of the guys on the health front. Uh, Gentry Williams seems to be feeling good. Uh, Nick Anderson on the offensive side. I want to ask you about him in a second. Trace Ford. Uh, we talked about it on 360. He was scaled back a little bit in the spring. I think they wanted to make sure he was ready. A lot of times when you've never seen an athlete up close, and this is probably the way that went, they didn't know maybe what the root of some of his, some of his injury issues were when he was at OSU. You know, maybe it was an overuse thing. Maybe it was a he wasn't quite taking care of his body thing. Maybe they were just freak accidents. But you don't know until you really get in there, start having those conversations and see them on a day to day. Now that they're a, a little bit more into the meat of the uh, of the summer, they've had a chance to see what he's doing. Um, I think it's an issue where, where they understand his body a little better. Uh, you hear that about Ford. You hear that about Anderson. Uh, well, what are your thoughts there? Uh, m maybe especially on Anderson. He's been a player who what we've kind of touted as being a potential game changer for the Sooners, a receiver, but health has been a factor. Uh, what do you say on that? First things first, Beast, um, everybody's healthy. So all of our favorite players from Gilliam to Trace Ford to Anderson to Raim to um, I, I, whoever, whoever you're thinking about, the one kid from the uh, that that came in from um, from Notre Dame, obviously he's a wait and see. But aside from that, everybody's full go, ladies and gentlemen. You can you can feel confident in knowing that we we've got the full cachet of players available. Now, people get hurt during summer. People will definitely get hurt during fall camp. 
I mean, knock on wood, it's just, you know, part of the game. But it, it feels good. I want to know what Gilliam can do. I, you, you, I'm going to talk about Anderson in detail here in a second. The guy's dang it. I'm tired of hearing about how amazing he was, especially when he's the brother of Rodney Anderson. And we all heard about his, how amazing he was. And we barely got a chance to see. I mean, he could have been a GOAT. He plays three, four years healthy. He's, he's up in the GOAT conversation at a place like Oklahoma based upon what we were able to see him do when healthy. Um, yeah. So thinking about those guys and their potentials, Trace Ford, you know, and, and Anderson, they are both, they are both penciled in as starters and, um, game breakers and the, at their respective positions, if healthy. Trace Ford is the most explosive, athletic, experienced DN we have. All right. We got PJ who is a, who's Spider-Man in some, in some respects, but he's also young and he, he's going to, he's going to beat some teams with speed and raw athleticism but he is not refined um and experienced nor does he have his grown man strength yet trace does and trace looks different um in drills when i say looks i mean like just eyeballs he looks different than the mm -hmm. other dns he looks more like an athlete who just has the girth to play the position um he also looks different when they do drills he is the best athlete doing drills including pj all right um and just in sinking hips, staying low, right? Exploding through without just the raw athleticism, just the football acumen part. Trace looks the best as of today. Uh, and his health is probably eight sacks you can pencil in, right? And by the way, his health means you can probably add three sacks to five sacks for PJ because PJ isn't being dependent on as much. And he can go and do, he can learn a little and be great at that versus being expected to hold the edge and right mirror this and jump the flash pj can come in and just be a missile so trace ford is a huge um addition and they're excited he's healthy gilliam healthy we're gonna see what we got and uh i always to me and i, I don't know maybe i was I, I maybe i was missing something but he always looks undersized to me he ain't undersized brother homeboy is huge so i'm like okay beautiful grown man strength he's three years into the program let's see what this kid can do because in high school he was an absolute gila monster i mean he was a killer his film was phenomenal uh anderson anderson is the ex oklahoma has been missing since i mean uh cd was kind of an cd was an ex because we had hollywood but see we all see in the nfl cd is really a slot slash z Right, CD yeah, was and, and they played with it a little bit in nineteen too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, CD is not a true X. Anderson's a true X, six three plus. He's gonna be. He's that slant. He's that curl. He's that fade. He's that go route. He's the comeback. Like those five routes, the corner knows it's pretty much one v one. The safety's gonna be cheating to the tight end side, which puts him in an island. That field safe corner on an island. And can we have? the confidence that that X receiver is just going to line up and beat his guy. I'm excited to see if he can stay healthy because they can't guard him. He's got Z C O D, which stands for change of direction, but he's got a body of an X and, and he's, they, they say he's very similar to his brother and that he's a tough S O B and he's a yes or no, sir guy. It's your dream at the position. He just also has the injury history that his brother had. And uh, I mean, we've yet to see him make a a a substantive play in the game. 
You know, I don't, I don't, I can't think of one play he's made and mm-hmm. again, not, not like pup, pup minutes, you know, yeah. a game where the game's on the line and, and he's being looked at to make plays for us, but that he has that potential. He has NFL potential. All, anyone who I've ever talked to says if he stays healthy and does in games what they've seen him do even in pads, it's not just in shorts. He just isn't healthy on game week. So uh, Anderson's a guy, he's a guy who could be an all-conference guy this season. You know, there aren't a lot of guys who are coming back. Texas has a couple of guys. A tech has some guys who, who, who are, are, are really good. TCU lost most of their studs. He's a guy who, if he comes in and we win a ton of games and uh, DG is, 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 hits the next level and hits guys in stride when they're running away from man coverage, he's a guy who could be potentially an all-conference guy. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see. We just need him to stay healthy. And that's a huge if, unfortunately, at this point. Yeah, I said on the, the, the article I wrote, I'm going to be really curious to see two things about Anderson. That, that I think will give us some information about the injury stuff. Is he awful at landing and getting in and out of cuts and decelerating? Or is he, and or, I mean, really, is he awful about taking bad contact, right? Because I talked about this and I referenced uh, Ryan Broyles and Kyler Murray. One of the things that kept Ryan so healthy in his career was he was phenomenal at knowing when to just slow down and get out of bounds, knowing when he had a little extra juice to make a guy miss, and knowing how and when to take contact. And that is so important, especially when you are the lead guy. And, and CD was built a little more durable. We'll, we'll kind of see how, how Anderson is built when he gets out on the field. Hopefully this year ha- has made a difference. But CD got there, and even though he wasn't the jacked CD that everybody remembers from 1819, he still was pretty well put together. Anderson, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll kind of see. Broyles was not that when he arrived at Oklahoma. He needed to develop quite a bit. Uh, but man, he was so good. And Murray, too. And that's why he's been able to last for the most part in the NFL and not take a bunch of just bad hits. It is so much about how do you land? How do, how do you decelerate? How do you get in and out of cuts? And then how do you take contact, right? It is LeBron James landing off a dunk versus Derrick Rose landing off a dunk. People watched Derrick Rose back in 2010, and you could just see it coming from a mile away, that abrupt, just dead stop landing. It was not good for Derrick Rose and his knees. Man, want to ask you about your guy, but uh, really two. You were high on him uh, coming out of the recruiting class. There's some some word on the street that this man did 275 for 16. A uh, one Mr. Lewis Carter. Man, I, I actually got into watching his film the other day. I'll be honest and say that I watched it, but I more so breezed past it to get ready. I didn't really get into some of the offensive snaps that he took. And man, he I said he has the most explosive close area kind of speed or or closing ability that OU has had on the field since Roy Williams. Roy Williams, when he was within five, three to five yards, he could close on a guy in, in, and that's what made him such a great tackler. 
Yes, he was good with his hands. He was good at wrapping up. He was good at going low, all those things. But he was so explosive that if you wanted to put a move on him, you did not have the chance to. You see that with Lewis Carter. Does 275 for 16, right? Devin Lloyd, the other the recently, last combine, did 225 for 25. So he's in the ballpark of at least doing that. Um, well, what do you think when you hear those numbers? What do the players think when they get in there and they see a new coming uh, backer in there who, who's wanting to take their spot, putting up numbers like that? Uh, well, what are the thoughts, DMAC? We got to see health. We got to make sure chicks aren't an issue. We got to make sure he's not a guy who wants to smoke trees and stuff like that. And so those parts of the game, we just don't know. I, you know, I don't know him from Adam and, and um those parts got some guys waste away. You'd be surprised to hear who have has everything and they just don't have it above uh, between the ears. Uh, but assuming that part is in place, listen, he grew a couple inches. I saw a picture of him. Uh, I saw a picture of him with a good friend of mine. Uh, it's not a publicly shown picture. It's a privately shown picture. And I have a picture of him. He ain't 5'11". <laughs> I tell you that. He, I guarantee you he, he, he hit a little growth spurt. Which, uh, you know, as a 6'1", 225-pound puppy coming in, that, that's a different dude than a 5'11". Uh, it looks a little taller. looks a little... He's very lean. Uh, he, he is everything Coach Schmitty looks for in a backer. Here, here's what I was told verbatim. He and Samuel look exactly like what OU wants their backers to look like. Like, they are the exact prototype of what they're looking for. And they have come in, and everybody is on notice. Mm-hmm. He might be the strongest guy in the room. By the way, Dayson's strong yeah. as hell. Um, and to your to your reference to Summer, Dayson is destroying Summer. I have been told personally that the Dayson we saw in the offseason versus the Dayson we see today is a different player. And that's exciting because he's got game day experience that's exciting because he had a phenomenal offseason he was a guy they raved about in winter that's exciting because he had a phenomenal spring but word on the screen guys i'm I'm, if you know me and and heard the way i speak about the program through the years i am not a sunshine pumper i'm not i'm going i'm gonna keep it a buck but what i'm being told and remember he's he's this is a second go round, so it's not like he's a guy who's who's 23 He's also a young guy, which means he could have just let legit grown or his grown man strength could be coming and it's emerging. Uh, but I'm hearing his summer is even different than his offseason. So that's exciting because he's in that 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 ballpark. Barry, I promise you. The backer position is going to look 10 times better in the fall than it did last fall simply by addition by subtraction and simply because every single week there is going to be a dog fight for reps there is not a guy who is just penciled in to be the man stunts has a leg up because he's been in the program you know he's got a ton of snaps he's got pedigree from last season but it's not like he's rocky calamus or teddy lane and coming back off of being a top five backer in america it's just not the case the film does not back that up um, I don't, I personally don't believe he's a will. I don't think he's a better will than he is at Mike. You have stunts at Mike and that your least athletic backer and it stunts. That's a damn athletic backer group. Uh, you, you, 
you flank him with Lewis Carter, Canick, uh, Kip, or Dason. I mean, th- you could name five guys you flank him with who are four, five esque type guys who are ball players. That's problematic for everybody. And so that group, that group just in itself is one that I believe we will see a stark change in ferocity and uh, athleticism and flexibility, meaning being able to line up different guys and different uh, schemes and scenarios and allow them to take advantage of the offense. Uh, and then the cheetah position, it, it, it's going to be a cheat code. I mean, I know people are starting to say it, but I'm telling you guys, Sammy O is a cheetah. That's, that is absolutely scary. He, he, he's not a Mike. He's not a rush. And he's a cheetah. And I mean, I, obviously they're going to use him in some very uh, interesting ways. But if, if, if he has, if he has the flexibility to, play in space, go backwards a bit, you know, cover guys in the hole, but also come forward and not be the rush end or not be the D end and be coming off the edge. That's, 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 that's Georgia. Like that's what Georgia is able to do. They're able to stay in a base coverage and bring wave after wave after wave of dudes. So I'm excited about the backer group. I'm excited about the safety group. Um, I would say there's probably not the depth they don't have championship depth in their eyes at corner they love their safety options i mean think about it you got a ton of safety options a ton you got pearson you got bowman you got bowen you got key lawrence you got doby you got vickers then at corner and then at that nickel cheetah position you got pierce but you got harrington you got Dayson, you got samio right then you got pearson who can come down then you got bowman that can come down and play that like colby like there are a ton of really good ball players that are giving them options in those positions. Corner, they need some depth. They like what they have. Gentry's healthy. Gentry's healthy. Gentry's healthy. Um, and here's here's the rumor I'm hearing, Barry. I don't know if I told you this. The rumor I'm hearing is he no one can beat him in one on ones because he run faster than everybody. So he's he he baits them. He's jumping the 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 quick game stuff or or playing off of it to just react to it so guys can't get behind him and and that is that's when you really you know when you've got corners who can do that and and backers can jump stuff and the corner can just stay up on top because they have the speed to just run with whoever you take away like texas tech and 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 all those guys who try to gadget you like you suffocate that 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 game you don't get to play that game if the corners can just lock up and backers can jump quick game. Oh man, it, it it makes life miserable for the inferior teams. And so, uh, getting closer, getting closer. And, and this off season, uh, Dayson, by the way, Gentry's blowing everything out of the water, out of the water. I don't know the D line. Uh, Bothroyd is a guy they are in love with. His leadership, his maturity. Um, what's some other names that I'm just hearing? I, I don't hear a lot of the offensive guys. Um, the Michigan kids doing extremely well. They love Farouk. They say Farouk got faster, which mm. Lord knows he needs to get faster. Yeah. Lord knows he needs to get faster. Um, obviously, Anderson, oh, the name came up, and I, I hate to say it, but Gibson is apparently, here's what they say. Gibson has more flash than Anderson, but Anderson just does everything right all the time. Sounds about right. That's, 
Yeah. So if Gibson, and apparently Gibson had a play where he mossed somebody and whatever, da, 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 I'm like, dude, Summer, I, I, I don't want to hear it. I'm literally like, I don't want to hear it. Do it in August. Do it in August, at least. Do it against whoever the hell we play week one. Tulsa. Do it against Tulsa first, and then I'll start to get on the parade. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I, I, you know, what's his third year in the program? So I think it's time for him to step up and, and be a man and, and be and realize the talent that he has. So these are fun times to speculate. I don't think this year the speculation gets to project in a way that it has in the past. It's got to be meat and potato. That's why I said I'm not even going to get excited until the third Monday in October. The third Monday in October is when I may start cheerleading uh, for OU, but quiet is kept. I have the expectation that we're yeah, I, I've got a book. To, I think the story of this season will be game two or three, and then it'll be about that second or third conference game. Right? I think in the non-conference, one of those second non-conference games, I, I got a pencil at SMU, man. I think SMU. You've been saying SMU. That's what you've been be, saying, yeah. They have, they have some experience in the secondary. They've got a few guys who can run. And if you've had that, like a Kent State, right? They didn't have athletes that could go, you know, two, three deep, but they had a few guys in the secondary who could make plays. And it gave OU some serious problems. And the, until they said Marvin Mims, go out there, win <laughs> against whoever is lined up against you, DG, throw it as far as you can, and let's score a few touchdowns and separate. But they did not dominate that game. When you go back and watch the first half, it told you really everything about what the season was going to look like the the defense played well but even considering the defense playing well they had too many busted plays that but between the 20s they were absolutely torched um their quarterback i forget his name now but i was a huge fan of what he could do smu i think poses a lot of the same issues a lot of texas kids texas plays great high school football um they usually have some skill talent on that team every single year. SMU is never yeah. deprived of like one or two wide receivers, a quarterback who can throw a pass or two. Um, I want to say, I feel like they got Texas like two years ago or three that they took them down. No, that was UTSA. I'm thinking UTSA. <laughs> but uh, By the way, that was even worse. Receiver. Yeah. yeah, it is. But it's like, it, I think that it's going to be a tale of. What what do those and eh, what does that second non conference game against SMU look like? And then you get into the season. Um, the game against Texas looms really large, man. And, and we will see. I, I've also said I think the quarterback position in the second game against SMU that that'll be kind of an interesting storyline in terms of we assume first game you're probably going to see a little bit of both. Do you continue to see that against SMU, or do they they dial back that rotation and DG gets all the snaps? I think that'll be interesting. Uh, but man, a lot of good stuff uh, coming up here uh, very shortly. A lot of commitments, we think, down the line. So make sure you guys are tuning into Sooners360.com, getting all the info over there. We're posting over there on a daily basis, trying to really get after it, grow that thing. Um, make sure that you go leave us a rating and review if you enjoy the show. DMAC, anything for Sooner Nation as we close out today? I, th I think we covered pretty much everything, but but any final nugget uh, for, for those following the show? Buckle up.
these are the dog days. These are the days we're going to be at the pool. We're going to be, you know, at the amusement parks. We might be eating ice cream. Soon as ain't. <laughs> this is when off season is at its height. Uh, Shmidi is kicking their ass. Uh, rest assured, this is going to be a full-fledged off-season, so they're going to separate the mice from the men. All right? These guys, are they, they, he's pushing them. This isn't a link situation where he's like, be nice. Uh, I, I just, I just, you know, I think people take my perception out of context. I expect us to win 10 games, not because of Sunshine, but because of, one, our schedule. Two, our players relative to the schedule and the teams we play. And three, Coach Venables has to. They're, right? There's positive paranoia. There's a such thing. And so I think this is a season where they have, there's got to be some positive paranoia in those offices and in that program and in that locker room. Right? They, they have to say, hey, man, we don't have a ton of time. And the schedule lines up. The SEC lines up. The back-to-back -back recruiting classes that he brought in are going to be some of the focal points of both the offense and the defense. Um, why not? No, no, no. Screw why not. We better is a better way to say it. And uh, just on the way out, I look forward to in the month of July going through position groups like we did last summer and talking about who's going to surprise and what's the depth chart going to be like. I look forward to getting to Oklahoma myself. I missed camp. I was in Texas last week and was supposed to go up for camp on uh, Tuesday of last week. Didn't work out, but I'll be there this summer hanging out with some of the coaches, Jay Norm and Seth Latrell and L. Mitch and some of those guys, check in with them and see what's going on with the program. Nation, listen, we, we, we cannot have low expectations. Um, those of you saying eight and four, you might as well say we need a new coach. Dan, that's mm -hmm. kind of harsh for BV, but if we're going to be eight and four with that schedule, we're going to suck in the SEC, so we, we need to go a different direction. I firmly believe we went in 10, and we're, we're set up to do what we need to do. Um, but nah, listen, let's write this thing out. I'll, here's what I'll say, Barry. Last year, we got to like top 15 as a podcast. And as the season rolls back around, my expectation is that we get this thing ramped back up and you guys lock in with us and, and, and let's take this thing back to where we need to take it. Because I, I and by the way, we're doing fine and I'm not tripping. You know what I'm saying? But like, guys, dang it, if we're going to be the best we can be, let's go be the best we can be. So Y'all stay locked in with us. I will be participating much more than I have the last 90 days when trying to sell this stupid business. It's not a stupid business. It's a great business. But um, we, get into, we get into game time. It's getting close to that time where we, we, we as the Sooners, we got to show up and let folks know we got the number one fan base. We got the number one program. We got some best players or will soon have the best players. And, and we are number one, right? We invented number one. So let's get to that. Let's have a let's have a very positive summer and then get ready to kick your ass come ball. Love it, guys. Make sure to go follow the Twitter at Barry and Mac SHW. Damien is at D underscore Mac 13. Follow him on Instagram at, at Dame That Dude. You can find me on everything at BYS Fitness at the letter B W I S E Fitness. We will be back next week. Uh, with a brand new show, hopefully a lot more news, and we will make sure to bring it to you guys as soon as we can. Thank you all for tuning in, and we will see you soon.
Okay, Russell Westbrook, let's pump the brakes a bit. You shouldn't have to think about outfits. Get a pair of Bird Dog stretch khaki shorts. They look amazing. Go with everything, but feel just as good as your gym shorts. You never have to think about what to wear again, because you can wear them anywhere. The ultra-breathable fabric keeps you cool, and the built-in liner is an added layer of support. Plus, they look incredible. Hit the bar, the golf course, or the pool. Stop thinking about what to wear and wear what you want for a change. Go to birddogs.com slash pool and get a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order.